I'm Danny Stover, and this is Today in TO, a podcast that takes a look at the biggest stories in the city and connects the dots on what's going on. On today's episode, have you ever felt stuck, underappreciated, forgotten? Well, then you have something in common with a boring tool. Don't get mad at me. I didn't name it boring. But on that topic, you'll also get to know Bertha, Becky, Rennie, Rexy, and Diggy Scardust, just to name a few. Plus, a surprise city council decision has put the freeze on driveshare licenses in Toronto. You'll find out why. And you'll get the story behind Toronto's first taxi cab company that was actually established before the city became the city, which is confusing because Toronto's first taxi cab company was called The City. And now I've gone cross-eyed. That's all coming up on Today in TO. If you've ever dealt with a soggy basement and you live in the area of Bloor Street West and Old Mill, then you're going to want to hear this. Actually, you probably already know about this. But last spring, a micro-TBM, or tunnel boring machine, was used to dig a new storm sewer under Old Mill Drive as part of a larger project to limit chronic basement flooding in the area. So back in March 2022, a micro-TBM went way, way down into the depths below the city past the Bloor-Danforth subway line, and that little machine went to work by remote control, crunching, digging, spewing, and carving a path 282 meters long to a pre-built exit shaft on Bloor Street West. Now, it's called a micro-TBM because it's just a baby, only about one and a half meters wide and five meters long. But with just seven meters left to go, the machine hit 14 underground steel tiebacks, which had been part of the construction of two nearby condo buildings. Now, this caught the little TBM and others off guard, twisting it in its metal claws, driving the machine deeper into the dark muck. And it turned off. So again, that was spring of 2022, and only last week was this little guy removed. It had been down there trapped 18 meters for 19 months. And the worst part about this complex mission to get it out of there was that it cost a lot of money. The machine cost about $3 million for starters, and because it got stuck, the project was pushed back. So the whole thing was initially expected to cost about $9 million, but just last month, the city estimated it would actually cost at least $25 million. And this is why we can't have nice things or even crappy things. But I just need to point out, when it comes to tunnel boring machines, this is kind of what they do. They get stuck. They also have names for some strange reason. But I'd like to introduce you to Bertha. Now, this was a tunnel boring machine, the largest in North America, and it went underground in Seattle, Washington. That one had less than 220 feet to go before getting stuck and sitting motionless under the city for two years. Then there was Big Becky. This one was used by Ontario Power Generation. That one was delayed after coming across a bed of loose material. So while it didn't get stuck, it did require a detour. I'd also like to introduce you to three other Toronto tunnel boring machines. At the beginning of 2022, Metrolinx announced the winners of a strange contest to name 
the three tunnel boring machines for the Eglinton Crosstown West Extension and Scarborough's Subway Extension. And after thousands of entries, months of voting and deliberation, the winning names were announced. Rexy and Rennie as a tribute to Renforth Station in Mississauga and the Rexdale neighborhood in Northwest Toronto that's adjacent to the Eglinton Crosstown West Extension. And for Scarborough's TBM... Diggy Scardust. I would laugh if it didn't remind me how over budget and over time both of these transit projects are. But maybe the lesson here is that we should all be more like tunnel boring machines, carve your own path, and if you get stuck, just unplug for a while. On the way, Toronto City Council's idea of a surprise is a four-hour-long deliberation on whether they should cap Uber and Lyft licenses. Why the surprise? And what does this mean for drivers and riders alike? You'll find out after this. Something went down at Toronto City Hall that I'm kind of struggling to understand. Also, it was a surprise. So the story is council voted on freezing or pausing the number of Uber and Lyft vehicles operating on the streets of Toronto. This came after an out-of-the-blue council vote that Mayor Olivia Chow said would benefit the workers and reduce emissions. Maybe naive of me, but when I first heard that, I was like, isn't the whole point of these rideshare programs to help workers who want to make some extra cash? And does it not encourage less driving and therefore less emissions from folks who now have more options to get around? Huh? Anyone? City staff say there are about 52,000 private transportation licenses issued currently. And the main problem is regulation. Too many cooks in the kitchen, so to speak. Something may not be successful if too many people try and do it at the same time. So if you were hoping to become an Uber driver later this week, you're out of luck, my friend. Council said they would lift the freeze only after a report on industry regulations is released at the end of next year. So let's play a game of he said, she said. The he in this case is city councilor Brad Bradford. The she is Christine Hubbard, operation manager for Beck Taxi. Bradford's up first. We spent more than four hours at council debating a non-issue, capping the number of licenses, which wasn't even in the report, um, in a blindside move to appease the taxi lobby. Uh, And and they do become disconnected with how this will impact people's day-to-day lives. So the reason this was a surprise move was because the city didn't want a mad dash for licenses. The whole point is to freeze and cap. But what are some of the problems that might arise from doing this? Peak pricing is going to be more expensive. You are going to have slower service. There are going to be less drivers available. And then there's the other side of that. You know, folks during the holidays who try and put a little bit uh, more money in the bank, they're trying to pick up some shifts. Uh, If you wanted to do some Uber driving or Lyft over the holidays, you're not going to be able to. And the reality is we're headed into the busiest time of the year for ride sharing programs and to the into the holiday season and and we're not going to have the drivers there. So, 
It's been a very contentious debate at City Hall since uh, I guess it first first came about in 2012. And at the end of the day, uh, it's going to take longer to get around the city and it's going to cost Torontonians more money. Okay, so this is both a non-issue and a decade-long contentious debate, according to Bradford. But two things can be true. It's a contract platform. And, you know, it's work when you want to work, work when the demand is there, right? Like that's when those vehicles are going out. So it's, it's not like they're, they're on the road all the time. Um, but the whole platform is based around the flexibility and giving consumers choice and, and workers choice as well. Some warned that this move will drive up trip prices, as you heard, and could prompt legal challenges. Now, Christine Hubbard with Beck Taxi says at one point, there were more than 100,000 licensed Uber and Lyft drivers in Toronto. The more taxi drivers you license does not increase the number of vehicles. That's not the case for ride-hailing vehicles. Every driver equals another car. And, And these complaints about, you know, they're examining their legal options. Why would the prices go up if they have the same number of drivers on the road today as they did the day before this this rule was passed? There has always been a cap on the number of vehicles that are allowed to pick people up for money. And and taxis, you know, was capped at 5,500. And there are only about 3,000 active right now. If there weren't 52,000, and there still will be 52,000, right, these cars are driving around 40% of the time without passengers, cruising our streets, creating traffic and congestion, increasing um, emissions. And that's what we were talking about at Council uh, the other day. And this is the, the purpose of this is to review how many vehicles should there be on the road and why are we going to wait until 2030 to enact any kind of environmental restrictions, um, which has always included a cap on the number of vehicles. And mm-hmm. until 2016, all taxis had to be hybrid or lightweight efficient vehicles. Taxi drivers who had had to buy, and, and for the better, hybrid lightweight vehicles, all, all of a sudden 100,000 cars and trucks, you know, pickup trucks even, were invited to start cruising the streets. It's been tough to watch that one sector has to follow really stringent rules still, while another doesn't at all. This goes back to the lack of regulations. So let's just say you like lemonade and the stuff you get from the store. A local mom-and-pop shop is good, it's tasty, and it's held to a series of standards. Now, imagine that to make some extra cash, your neighbor's kids put up a lemonade stand. And that's way more convenient and cheaper. And even though they're not held to the same standards, it still tastes pretty much the same. And then more of the kids in the neighborhood are like, wow, I can make some decent money selling my own lemonade. And then everyone starts selling it, flooding the market with literal lemonade, which again is convenient and allows these kids to make money. But then other problems come up. The more people selling, the less money each seller brings in and the quality starts to decline. And maybe the kids' lemonade starts to attract wasps and it's this whole thing. Now imagine that the kids who are selling that lemonade are having to pay a percentage of their earnings to a tech company with no stakes in the neighborhood and a massive marketing machine backing it. When you make a sweeping change like that in a regulated industry and you don't talk to industry or any of the stakeholders about it, you know, we might end up being legally liable. And uh, it's, it's impossible to predict how that's going to go. But, you know, something similar passed, uh, you know, a few years back. And uh, it was actually the, the taxi organizations that took the city of Toronto to court over uh, an accessibility motion. And we lost at the, the super, uh, superior court. 
And it cost a lot of money. What Bradford is referring to was in 2016, where Beck Taxi sued Toronto for $50,000 for reportedly failing its mandate to protect public safety by not requiring vehicle-for-hire drivers to undergo proper training. At that time, it was an online-only course you could fill out in about an hour. History repeats itself, and this is why there has always been a cap on the number of taxis. You know, during... You need to look at the Depression era when everybody needed, you know, an extra job. And this is what we're seeing now. Not everyone should be able to get in their car and start driving around to pick people up, increasing traffic and congestion, making air quality worse, reducing safety on the roads, and no one can actually make a living. And so here we are watching history repeat itself under the banner of technology in 2016, where our council voted to deregulate a heavily regulated industry. So... Perhaps we do need more regulations. If something that was created to solve a couple of problems now is not only not solving those problems, but creating bigger ones, we need to be able to learn, respond, pivot, and change. Now, Beck Taxi has been around since the Leafs last won the Cup, 1967, and it was founded by Jim Beck, but he wasn't the first. Toronto's first cab company was established by a man named Thornton Blackburn, and after a couple of years working as a waiter at Osgoode Hall, he came to the realization that most Torontonians come to. Public transit is not the most reliable, and we need new ways to get around. With more on that, here's producer Glenn Bergonier. And it's amazing how an idea from over 170 years ago can still somehow reign true to this day. Public transit has become woefully unreliable and we still need a better way. At least if we're sticking 170 years ago, these were the initial thoughts of Thornton Blackburn back in 1850. You see at the time, Thornton was working as a waiter in a dining room at Osgoode Hall when the thought dawned on him. And knowing some of the upper crust of society, he knew they were thinking the exact same thing. So later that year, Thornton and his wife, Lucy, created the very first taxi service in Toronto known as The City, which honestly is just an amazing name all around. And if you're a bit of a history buff at all, you might catch on that this is almost 50 years before the Ford Motor Company released its first Model A car, which means that this taxi service was actually a horse-drawn buggy, and there was literally only one. Thornton would pick up his fares from outside St. James Cathedral only, as this was his best chance to pick up any of the wealthiest of the wealthy within the city. The cab colors were red and yellow. And this might sound familiar. And why that is? Well, because the Toronto Transit Commission uses the same color palette to this very day. And as much as creating the first taxi service is unbelievably impressive, especially being a black man doing it in 1850, that's not even the greatest contribution that the Blackburns have had to not only Toronto, but Canada as a whole. Because Thornton and Lucy Blackburn are credited as being beyond instrumental to the Underground Railroad for slaves in Canada, as they were both runaway slaves themselves. It is actually estimated that as many as 10,000 other runaway slaves may be able to directly thank the Blackburns for helping to pave the way to liberty, ensuring the safety of freedom of others, and once again, realizing over 100 years ago that public transit in this city is a mess and the people of Toronto need a better way, a city way, pun fully intended. You know what I love? When you're walking down the street, minding your own business and a taxi driver will just give you that little toot toot. It always reminds me that I needed a ride. And in case you couldn't tell, I was being sarcastic. 
This podcast is brought to you by 640 Toronto and features audio from shows across the Chorus Entertainment Network. My name's Danny Stover. Today in TO is produced by me, Glenn Bergonier, and David Spargala. Chris Dunner and Andrew Dernford are advisors to the show. You know the drill. New episodes come out every Wednesday, and so next week might get a little scary. But don't worry. I'll protect you. Oh my God, what was that? Did you hear that? I got to get out of here. Make sure you follow Today in TO so that you never miss an episode. And we'll chat next week. Bye for now. Bye for now.